Hi all, welcome to the show, Tay Time. It's your host, Adela. During each episode of this podcast, I get the privilege to chat with inspiring and creative women from underrepresented backgrounds. I hope that you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy creating each episode for you. Episode four of Tea Time. And today we have joining me Gianna Collier Pitts. Do you still include the Pitts in your last name? I do in non-acting related things. So it's kind of confusing. It's just like one last name in acting, the whole thing. It's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. And I'm really, really happy to see you kind of face to face, but also to talk to you after so long. Yes, it's been forever. I'm so happy you're doing this. This is honestly awesome. This is an awesome like idea, the platform. Just I always I'm always um, inspired by folks who you know follow through with ideas that they have because I've you know thought about different things here and there and then I'm like oh maybe I should have done that and I never actually got to do it or like you'll talk with friends about stuff and then you never actually you know make whatever you're gonna do and so. You're doing it and it's great. (laughs) Thanks. Um, And just a little um, intro. So I actually have known Gianna for, oh gosh, 10 10 years? No. Longer than 2009. 2009. I can't do math. This happens literally (laughs) in every episode. We're like, (laughs) and then, then we try and figure out how many years it's been. And both of us, it's like, I'm in the arts I don't know <laughs> I don't do math like this is, no it's been what 12 is that 12 yeah I gotta trust you on that one <laughs> <laughs> someone's gonna correct us yeah, I know. <laughs> um yeah we've known each other since boarding school and yes. Jenna was always the cool kid that everybody loved and was so popular and that is hilarious coming from Adila who <laughs> was the popular kid <laughs> I was really weird but I was quiet I barely talked I I remember people saying how I was people used to say that I was intimidating when they first saw me but I never talked (laughs) I was so quiet and shy (laughs) I did wear heels I won't lie I'm 5'10 without (laughs) heels and I always wore them and I still kind of do so I I guess I guess I see it I see (laughs) mad mad respect and we're like if I saw you anywhere, I would have to look up because I'm five one, you know. <laughs> so I, I've I've always looked up at you, Gianna. There we go. In a literal sense. <laughs> a literal and also non-literal sense. Um, oh, but you. since Trote, you have started down the path to adapting. And yeah. I'm really, really excited to hear more about that and your journey to finding out that this is what your craft and this is what you want to dedicate your life to. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because it was something I'd always been told that I was going to do when I was a little kid, everyone would tell me like, Oh, you'll probably be some kind of performer or just something related to that. But it, it's so interesting how life kind of leads you certain ways or you kind of second guess yourself along Mm -hmm. the way and kind of convince yourself that, you know, you can't do certain things for whatever reason. And that's what kind of happened to me in a way. I had originally, um, well, for starters, I was born in Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I was living there for 10 years until I was 10 years old. And then I moved in the middle of the school year to Connecticut. 
um, to a small town in Connecticut uh, in fourth grade. So that move was pretty major for me just because it was a completely new environment. I was a city kid going to the suburbs. I didn't even know Connecticut really existed until I got there. <laughs> I had to find it on the map. I truly had no idea what this place was. And, you know, having that big change happen and then, you know, being thrust into a new school in the middle of the year completely threw me out. But um, it just, also the environment was very different because my school that I was coming from was very, um, had so many different, you know, extracurriculars and was definitely heavily invested in the arts. Mm -hmm. And the school that I went to in Connecticut uh, prior to Choate was not. Uh -huh. So it was kind of a forced change of direction when it came to that, because prior I had done school theater. Um, I was in the school's chorus, anything arts related I did. Mm -hmm. um, and then I immediately didn't have that option. And because of, you know, different circumstantial things, I couldn't really do it outside of school either. Mm -hmm. So I you know, had to change course completely. And I ended up focusing more on in general, just academics and sports to a certain extent. Uh, and when I got to the Choate, I think in a similar way, I also felt like cut off from the arts in, a, in, a, in certain ways. Um, I was definitely art an art kid. Mm -hmm. um, as you probably remember, I was into photography like you were. And I was a part of uh, Choate's like arts concentration program for photography. Um, but so that was kind of like my, that got my, you know, art juices flowing. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I had, I'd been wanting to get back into the theater and just, you know, at least try my hand at acting again, but felt so just, no one was telling me anything, but I felt this pressure that I wasn't good enough to even try it again okay. you know I, I feel like there's a uh, just in that in the private school community in general there's this big you know focus on just like success and perfection and you know achieving the highest grades getting the highest scores doing mm -hmm. the best yeah. and if you're not going to be the best it, it almost feels like you shouldn't even try that particular thing like focus on something else you can do that you can excel at yeah. And that's how I kind of felt about acting. And, you know, there were so many talented um, theater kids at our school. So I, I was truly just intimidated and uh, never even tried it. I mean, not even, not even some of the productions that encouraged <laughs> like newbies to try. Mm -hmm. I was terrified and I kind of just kept to myself in that way. And didn't really venture out into new things, which I can't, which I do regret. But um, I think it also forced me in college uh, to really go after what I wanted because in, for me, it felt like time was ticking, although we have plenty of time, we're still young. <laughs> but, you know, you feel a, a pressure to actually commit to something because, you know, especially because colleges are super expensive and you're paying all this money for four years to just like pick a career so you have to feel you know somewhat driven by it so uh I went to NYU for originally journalism 
So I did that for my first year and I was a part of the school's newspaper. I was one of the editors for one of their blogs. Like I was very invested. And by sophomore year, I had taken my first journalism class just officially in the school of journalism Mm -hmm. with NYU. And I just remember the very first day me walking into that classroom and absolutely hating the the energy of it um just the the lack of creativity (laughs) killing me because you know you had your teacher who was telling you you know assigning you different you know articles to write and on different subjects whereas when I worked in the newspaper I got to choose my own subjects I was a I was an editor for a blog so I was the one in control Mm -hmm. and that lack of control was I just couldn't stand it but I also realized I didn't want to be I didn't want to have to you know deal with all of the just having to you know deal with someone above me telling me what I should be interested in and you know Mm -hmm. what I should focus on what I should write about and that really drove me to find something else and at the same time I was taking a like an introductory film class that was designed for mainly just like you know first years just to like a filmmaking class no it was actually a film it was a film criticism class okay um so similar to what I ended up doing as a major Mm -hmm. but um I just remember a lot of people took it as like an easy class like an easy a just to sit back because most of it was just watching films and then having a like two-hour discussion on them but that first class was completely different from journalism. I remember being so focused mm-hmm. and so obsessed with my teacher who also happened to be this like older black gentleman. So just having a black teacher, I think was also, you know, just amazing to see. Yeah. Um, but I just felt this energy in the room. Um, I, I truly felt like this was a place that I was supposed to be. There was just this comfort um but also this I can't even quite describe it but kind of like everything just kind of mean it clicked right yeah things just clicked yeah it just made sense Mm -hmm. and it was kind of a combination of all the things I loved because you know I loved visual arts and I was obsessed with films just prior to this um it was just more of a hobby Mm -hmm. but Um, I finally got to, you know, combine my love of film with my love of, you know, English and writing and criticism. Mm -hmm. So I ended up uh, applying to Tisch uh, for an internal transfer into their cinema studies program. So that's what I ended up doing. And the rest is kind of history. So how... So when did you take that first initial steps into acting and then like actually getting on stage and being in front of the camera? Yeah. Well, I had actually, I think, I think it was my junior year at NYU. I had taken one of their acting, no, I had taken a course outside of NYU, just at like a acting class in New York at a small studio here. And I did it under the guise of uh, public speaking. <laughs> and I just kind of convinced myself that I was going to do it just to become, you know, more confident and, you know, better at, you know, presenting, things like that. <laughs> but, you know, internally, I knew that I was obsessed with this, but I also knew <laughs> that I was a junior at NYU and there was no way I was transferring into, you know, 
their acting program. So I kind of just did it on the side and it was just Mm -hmm. something I enjoyed for fun that kind of like got me, it fulfilled the need at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I'm happy that I spent all that time focusing in that particular sphere of film first because mm-hmm. it set me up for everything um but yeah I didn't act started I didn't actually fully get into acting until whew, 2018 so I graduated at NYU in 2017 mm-hmm. uh, immediately got a one-year internship with MoMA in their department of film uh, which was a dream. Oh, girl. <laughs> truly was a dream and basically got to do got to see how you know all these films after they're after they've been made, how they, you know, remain in, you know, public consciousness, um, how, you know, they get screened here and, you know, the general audiences in New York can see it um, from anything from, you know, a major film, an Oscar winning film, they would screen there and have actors come and talk to, you know, a small filmmaker um, who put out their like first documentary and we were the only place that showed it. And you just got to see all these different levels of filmmaking. And it just, it made me so excited to see how impactful it was that these films were being seen and these films were being preserved because what MoMA also has is one of the largest um, collections of film in the U.S., Mm -hmm. um, which I got to actually see. And that was truly amazing seeing original copies of like old films from the 1920s. That's so highly cool. recommend. <laughs> um, but while I was doing all of that, I part of my job was to put together a film festival, um, a documentary film festival. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to filmmakers. I, you know, I was constantly um, around folks who were creating all of this cool work, mm-hmm. and I felt so removed from it mm-hmm. in a way that I wasn't happy with, uh, in the sense that. I was, you know, just, I was just talking about their films. I wasn't actually a part of the physical making of. Mm -hmm. There was just something in that, there's something I feel like magical about being on a set, even if it's a documentary. you're smiling so big. (laughs) There is just this energy I get um, from a set or like on a stage even. Um, And, it's not the same when you're watching the film. It's great. It's Mm -hmm. really great. I love watching films, but there's just something to be said about being a part of the process of getting it made. And I wanted that. I wanted that so much. And I'd worked on friends films. I did that at NYU as well. And I loved doing that. So um, during my time at MoMA, uh, during the nights, I would take, I took a six week like acting intensive that my studio offered just to Mm kind of see if I liked the program and just kind of get me back into uh, the swing of things. And Mm -hmm. I didn't really tell anyone I was doing it because kind of similar to what I said earlier about just fears of not being good enough and fears of, you know, being judged for trying something new or seemingly new, I guess, to other people because I hadn't voiced it really. but I absolutely loved the studio. I loved the teachers. I loved the energy of the place. Again, just like an energy thing. As soon as I walked in, it just felt right. 
yeah. things connected. Um, and after I finished my internship, um, I immediately started the conservatory. Wow. And I, it was actually very immediate because I had meant to start, uh, I ended my uh, internship in September mm-hmm. and I meant to start the uh, conservatory in January, but they had a spot open up with um, the main teacher at my studio in his class that started in September. So I joined that one kind of last minute. So just everything seemed to be clicking at the right yeah. time. So I was like, I'm going to follow this. All of these things are just laid out perfectly. I'm not going to ignore that. Like, gotta, I like, gotta just follow it. Yeah. Like when there's momentum, you know, you yeah. should like you, you shouldn't work against it. Right. You should accept it just and just go with it. Um, and that's yeah. like, as if everything was like dominoes and falling in place for you. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't have any, I didn't have a job lined up, which was still a little nerve wracking, you know, entering a studio. It's like, oh my God, how am I going to pay for this? Mm-hmm. But it just, I was like, things will happen. I just, things will, I'll, things will happen. It'll work out, but I'm not going to say no to this. Yeah. And I'm so glad I didn't <laughs> because it ended up being probably one of the most challenging programs I've ever been a part of. And also probably the most fulfilling um, just because you know, my teacher, uh, Terry, Terry Knickerbocker, he's wonderful, absolutely mm-hmm. wonderful. But he also does not let you, you know, you can't slack off. There's no such thing as slacking off. And I definitely appreciated that, but it was, there's also this energy of just like, give your, like put your all in. And if you're not gonna be completely in, he doesn't want you in his class. Wow. And I love that, but it also challenged me to stop second guessing myself because there's no time for that. Like I didn't have time to second guess myself because there wasn't any space for that. In the beginning, it, like those natural feelings of like second guessing yourself, do you feel like that would translate and affect your, your, your ability to perform? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I definitely had a, uh, a rocky start um when I first joined because I was all the things that had kind of plagued me before my shyness my um obsession with being perfect were absolutely not gonna work in this particular environment Mm -hmm. you know acting is messy you have to just be so willing to make a fool out of yourself and just go with it and for the longest time, I did not want to do that. I was very just self-conscious and, you know, nervous about how I was coming across. And it, it completely was, you know, noticeable in how I was working. But then the moments that I would just be totally fully focused and fully present in what I was doing, it was just everything clicked. And it was, it was those um, particular moments that kind of kept me going, you know, whenever I had like a rough day and I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm I'm a shitty actor. I gotta stop this. I can't, I'm I'm wasting my time, whatever. But then I'd have a good moment in class and I'd be like, okay, it's obviously there somewhere. I just have to keep like going there. I have to keep training that. I have to keep, you know, doing it again and again and again until Mm -hmm. it becomes like second nature. And 
goodness, I, <laughs> looking back, I am surprised sometimes of how I managed to finish just because there were some days where I was just completely, it felt like I was so over it, but. It props to you because <laughs> like as an outsider, I look at acting and for me, it is the scariest thing or just, just honestly, I took one acting class in college and every time they would say, okay, we're going to like do an exercise on stage. I could literally feel my stomach, like all the butterflies and I would get so much anxiety because, you know, I'm just so, I'm just so used to being worried about what people think about me all the time. And it's so brave and so inspiring what you're doing because you talk about how you were shy and you overcame that and getting on stage. And I just, I can't wait to like see you on the big screen. Like I can't freaking wait. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I can't wait to see me too. I'm like, I keep man trying to like manifest that. Like if I keep saying it, it will happen. Um, but I think the funny thing is all of those feelings that I, that I, you know, overcome in the moment, I still completely feel as soon as I snap out of that. Because, you know, sometimes when I would finish a scene or do something, I don't even have a recollection of what I just did. Yeah. You know, like my teacher would be like, like that was great. You were, very, you were so connected. And I was like, I truly don't remember just what just happened. <laughs> like, and I would feel self-conscious as soon as I snapped out of it. Yeah. But it's just like when things, when you, fully commit and just say, you know what, for this short amount of time, I'm not going to think about all these people staring at me or mm -hmm. what my face looks like when I'm saying these lines or feeling these things. And you really just have to kind of shut off that side of your head for that certain amount of time. And yeah. it's amazing when it happens. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's just, it definitely changes how you see, you know, yourself outside of the work because, you know, my teacher was always so adamant about all of us getting into therapy. That's the first wow. thing he'll tell you really? on the first day. He's like, get a therapist. And like, he has recommendations on, on like on our school's website of like different therapists and like different ways of paying anything. He's like, I don't care what you have to do, but talk to somebody wow. because what the work brings up and it is so true, you know, you're, you know, your the characters that you sometimes have to play are incredibly heavy and in the particular technique that we um, studied Meisner technique it's all about play but it's also about you know not conflating what you're doing in a role with your real life and not crossing that line um so he was very you know very very adamant about us making sure we you know, basically deal with our, like, I think he said at one point, like, deal with your shit outside of class. Like, don't like, in terms of just make sure that you yourself are in a place where you can actually do these roles without hurting yourself, or without, you know, going into places that you're not ready for. And if there was a role or a scene that we, um, that he assigned us that, that we had any, like, conflicts with based on, like, our our personal lives uh, and what we've gone through or anything, he would tell us like, tell me, I'll assign something else. Cause I do not want you to do anything that you, that would be uncomfortable and you're not prepared to do. And so 
it, it changes how you, in that way, it changes how you see things because you're so much more open. Yeah. I feel like to, you're so much more open to everything in a way. And I feel like that's a blessing and a curse because mm. I feel like as actors, we feel everything. We're a sponge. <laughs> and I was an empath before I acted. And so now I just feel like I, I have to turn off the news after a certain time. I just can't, I can't handle it because it's just, there's too much. Um, and so you have to kind of deal with that balance of just making sure you're open enough when you're acting, but you're not too open outside of it to the point where it's like, ah, like I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. Um, what your acting teacher told you to do about getting a therapist and making sure that you see one reminds me of something I read earlier today. It was about, um, it was kind of like about relationships, right? And it was like saying that, no, don't, don't put the burden of fixing you on your partner. You should in fact go see a therapist and that way you are not only able to help yourself, but also be there for your partner because they also need you. And in some way that kind of reminds me or or makes me think about how your relationship with acting is, right? And how it needs you to be there and be present and be able to do all these really difficult things that not everyone can do. And in order to do that, you need to be the most functional and stable person you can be. I mean, I've, I've actually never ever heard of an acting teacher telling their students to go see a therapist that makes so much sense and it really does make an impact on your work and how connected you can be and it you know it it makes you more aware of your defenses Mm -hmm. because if there's like something I'm struggling with um in a particular scene and then I go to therapy the next day and I talk about it and I'm like oh that's why there's this block here. Oh, that makes so much sense. Like I haven't dealt with that yet, but that totally makes sense. And it just, it, yeah, puts the responsibility on you to fix you so that you can better, you know, portray these other people. Yeah. And so you're not confusing those other people with yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look to some actors who are amazing, but they terrify me because of how much they throw themselves into a role but truly throw themselves into a role Um, and then you hear horror stories like you know Heath Ledger who um, passed away while working on Joker and well Dark Knight and it's just like this work is definitely not for everybody but it's also so much more uh, you have to really expose yourself yeah. And you have to be willing to do that and also know when not to do that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's definitely more than, you know, I did at MoMA. Yeah. Any of the major films that, you know, are critically acclaimed and you see these actors like fully throwing themselves in, that is so difficult. And I look at those roles and I'm like, that's a role I really want, but mm-hmm. I'm also terrified of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a particular role because just now you were saying that you know you were looking at some films or you were looking at some roles that you felt like scared you but also you want to do yeah hmm. 
I mean, just from like a archetype, uh, from an archetype standpoint, I've always wanted to play like a killer of some sort. <laughs> I, I love like when I like looking back on um, NYU, my first, um, my application essay for cinema studies was on Silence of the Lambs. Oh. And it's one of my favorite films. But um, I really love, you know, thrillers of mm-hmm. any sort. Or um, in particular, when I think of like a role I'd love to play, um, Charlize Theron in Monster, mm. um, which is basically um, her, she's playing a <laughs> serial killer um, who basically has had all of these horrible traumas with men and then ends up kind of seducing them and killing them. Yeah. And goes on a rampage and it's based on a real story. But um, just the amount of accuracy and complexity that she adds to that role and also just the physical transformation she went through Mm -hmm. to do the role. I really want to do something that's fully just like completely challenges me to step out of everything that I, you know, thought I could do and also put away any biases I had. Because when you're playing a killer, you have to see it from that person's perspective and you have to validate and justify their actions. Not that you agree with it, but that you have to justify it for them. And so having to deal with that and portray that well, I'd love to do, love it. <laughs> that is so psychological and it's giving me yeah. the heebie-jeebies. Ah, <laughs> I can't. I see, I want to do that in an audience. I want an audience to feel Um, You said that you wanted to, you know, portray like a killer in the future. Um, I want to ask you something related to, you know, your acting style and your method, like, what have you learned about yourself as an actor? Like, what has what have you really discovered about yourself? Huh. I mean, what happened? I, but I think in particular, so when I was uh, in my conservatory, I, one of the first experiences I ever had, um, or what I noticed about myself as soon as I had started acting was, I would get immediately upset when I did some, when I didn't do anything the way that I wanted to or the right way, quote unquote, which doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. But I I would immediately like get upset and like overwhelmed and like cry. And to this day, I still have that problem. But (laughs) um, you notice that some of that vulnerability that I used to hate myself for in terms of like, oh, like, why am I crying right now? Like, I know this is like, I know I'm supposed to mess up and, you know, that's what you do when you're an actor. You mess yeah. up and then you learn from it and like stop beating yourself up for it. But then I realized, you know, that vulnerability and that that quick access to my emotion is actually a very helpful thing in acting when, you know, you think of roles when they're like cry on command, which I hate seeing in a script. <laughs> it's not really, you, you can't really cry on command because you should be connected to whatever you're crying yeah. about. But, but, but I can kind of do that because I'm so, because <laughs> I cry so easily. So it's like, you learn little things about yourself that you used to see as a weakness that you're like, oh wait, actually this is, I mean, it's, you know, it's still, I still gotta deal with it, but 
this is actually helpful in this particular situation. Or um, I just, I honestly, I realized how, how open I was mm-hmm. because I didn't actually think about it. Um, yeah. Like even in my studio, I was very open about um, like problems I was having or like, um, I was very willing to kind of give my perspective or tell something about myself just to kind of, I guess, get my point across, but also, you know, help my fellow students kind of like notice that they're not alone. Yeah. And I didn't realize how much I did that Mm -hmm. until I started acting. And I, I had people constantly tell me that like you're so open and I'm like am I because I feel like there's so I feel like I'm still such a shy person but then I did kind of have to realize in certain circumstances I'm actually very open and like that's a really good thing um and it's something that I used to never think I was so it was just illuminated to me yeah <laughs> really oh that's so heartwarming my heart is like oh. <laughs> I'm going to definitely put uh, cries on command on my CV because I cry so easily as well. It's not even funny. So good. I mean, tear ducts are always ready to go. Ready to go. <laughs> um, so you finished and you graduated from your acting program. Um, now that you are in the industry, you are a fully fledged actor. Um, what has your experience been like as an openly bisexual and Black actor? Like how do you like navigate roles? Like, like are roles advertised as like black female, or are they do 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 they usually like stereotype that, or how 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 is casting that? Like, I have no idea. I'm a complete outsider to this entire process. Yeah, I think especially now um, since I graduated in 2020, I think I kind of graduated at the perfect time in a way, mm-hmm. just because all of these conversations were coming up. Yeah. And it was so much more illuminated. The fact that, you know, casting still has a long way to go in terms of racial stereotypes and, you know, the way we approach writing about characters. Um, for instance, um, when you audition for something, there's usually a breakdown, which kind mm-hmm. of tells you the project name, when it's going to shoot, uh, the role you're auditioning for, and a little yeah. description about what that role is mm-hmm. and occasionally most of the time it's written well and it's not necessarily stereotyped or anything but occasionally you'll see like black uh curvy sassy or like you'll just see like no way phrases that you're like wait what <laughs> 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 and you're just like, Mm, oh no um and you know I purposefully avoid those roles yeah I thankfully haven't had to at least haven't had to yet deal with any of those particular issues coming up in a casting situation and um I've actually auditioned for several projects where the person the the character was openly um LGBTQ in some sense, uh, whether it was bi or otherwise. Yeah. And, you know, they were well written. They were, you know, they seemed to be fleshed out. Yeah. And it was, it was clear to me that someone on that team, whether it was the writer or the director, somebody um, was LGBTQ because it was just written so truthfully. Yeah. And I think 
that is something that I'm always trying to navigate and make sure that, you know, anything that I'm going to put my name on, I want it to be authentic. Mm -hmm. I want, I don't want it to be anything that could be seen as stereotypical or mocking or, you know, anything that I would view as a negative. Um, and you know, it's because this time is so weird, you know, with COVID and everything. Um, there've also been a lot of opportunities that I don't think would have been available had the world been opened up in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, like different studios have been doing open calls and, you know, they've been actively looking for new talent. Oh, that's good. It's been wonderful as someone yeah. who just graduated. <laughs> and, you know, you have people who, I would have never, or I wouldn't have met so easily um, and, you know, got in a room with, I've had them see my stuff and, you know, reach out to me about different roles. And Mm -hmm. that's been amazing because you're just like, oh, okay, this is like attainable. Like that's so validating. What I want to do is like, they they see me, they can see me. And I think that experience has been amazing. And it just, I think it gave me the push that I needed uh, in terms of, um, you know, validating myself. Yeah, like you said, it's a great validation and kind of a kind of a great, uh, like, keep going. You can keep doing this. Like, a, I think of it like a marathon. And like, that was the cup of water I needed on the way to, like, the next mile. Because <laughs> like, uh, there's definitely this fear once you graduate of, like, I did all this work for two years and now I'm just going to be sitting at home and doing nothing like, Oh no. Um, but thankfully, you know, that hasn't fully been my experience. Of course there've mm-hmm. been some times, yeah. um, but you know, you do, you do have work and you, you do have opportunities. Even if it's not work, you get auditions. And what my teachers constantly instilled in us was that auditioning is your job wow. as an actor. Cause you're going to have, millions of auditions and every time you're you know in the room with those casting directors um is another chance for them to see you work it's another chance for you to work and even if you don't get picked for that role they know your name they know your work they know that you can produce good work so they'll bring you in for another one yeah so it's like even if this role wasn't right for whatever reason like you still have that like relationship with them they mm-hmm. still saw that you were good so it's not a negative and just seeing every audition as just another experience has been really great and I think has been something that in COVID has I think COVID helped with that because you're not physically in the room so there's yeah. a little less pressure it doesn't feel as intimidating mm-hmm. so you know being introduced um, although I've done, I've done castings in person, but having more experiences with castings, you know, through a screen, it's different, but it's still, it helps you kind of slowly get there in terms of, you know, having more auditions in person and, you know, getting acclimated to this new environment. Cause you know, acting in a class is very different than acting as a job. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a great experience, oddly enough, in a horrible circumstance, great experience um, in terms of COVID. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's, it's so excited to hear that you've been auditioning for a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. On that note, 
<laughs> You've already appeared in a wide range of productions from FBI, CBS, a short film called Demons. I'm already scared. Um, and is our- <laughs> it wasn't scary. <laughs> okay, good. And is Arby's ads name a few? Are there any upcoming or past projects that you are particularly proud of and you want to share with everybody listening? Hmm. Well, there's, in, I've had so many, I've had like smaller projects, which are just like, you know, student films and things, and they've all been amazing experiences. Mm-hmm. But I think in particular, like I was saying before, with auditioning kind of being um, an important part of the process, I've had right. auditions that have been like, incredibly um, <clears throat> incredibly, like, I'm incredibly proud of. Yeah. Of, um, because, you know, I am new, I'm brand new mm-hmm. to this in, the, in a way. I just got my SAG card this year. I, um, that's so exciting. Ah! Oh, I'm, I was very excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I'm still very new. So, and I, you know, I don't have an agent yet. Um, although if there's any listening, please, I'm available. <laughs> um, but like, you know, there's a lot of things that there's a lot of experiences I've gotten to have that I've gotten on my own, mm-hmm. you know, um, through, you know, putting myself out there that I'm incredibly proud of and kind of just surprised that I even got, you know, asked to audition for what, you know, this or that. And that is incredibly gratifying. And I think for me, that's more gratifying than any role in particular yet, mm-hmm. just because I am so new, but it's like those will lead to roles that I'm incredibly proud of. Yeah. So it's it's the building blocks. Everything builds on itself. Yeah. And that's been something I had to learn over those, you know, few years, but oh, very, very validating. Acting is just a reflection, a very complex reflection of the human experiences. And there's like so many, right? Like what people go through in their everyday lives is actually so intense and we don't know about it unless it's on the screen or unless it's written about. Um, And I think like, that's why for me acting is scary because like I have like a lot of shit that I need to work out that I have not worked out yet. (laughs) You've been really vocal and also like very open uh, on social media or with your friends about some of the experience that you've had in your life that have been, you know, very painful, very hard, very traumatic, um, yeah. just sexual assault, eating disorder. Um, and you are an incredibly brave human being. I'm just going to go on a, like a mini rant about you right now. Um, <laughs> so, you. so incredible. And I actually, you know, Gianna, like, when I read some of those things, I want, I cried myself because like those are some. Oh my god, I'm gonna cry right now because so, those are some <laughs> of the things. <laughs> I told you I cry so easily because so make me cry. Remember, I'm an empath. <laughs> and those are the things that I feel like I am too scared to say, even though I've experienced those things and I like feel a lot of the same pain. And to like see you share it is like so incredibly like inspiring and it's so comforting. Um, oh my god. <laughs> um so I think it's really important to like hold space for you and to say like I recognize you I validate you and like I like appreciate your your vulnerability and openness 
<laughs> You're gonna make me cry too. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and oh, that, oh my gosh. <laughs> that was so ad planned. <laughs> wow. I mean, oof. I, you know, I was someone who, like when I was a kid, I'd always just write everything down. I still to this day have, you know, notebooks full of whatever I was feeling or whatever I wanted to write about to kind of encompass what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know, I think at some point, I want to say during, like right after I graduated uh, college, I kept seeing all of this stuff on Instagram when it came to just like, everything seemed so fake and like mm-hmm. create, not fake, but created and, you know, um, manufactured to look a certain way. You know, everyone's page is kind of like, there's an aesthetic to it and, you know, there's such a veil, you know, put on when we do on social media. And like, even my posts, you know, I, I edit them. I'm, you know, I spend like sometimes an hour trying to craft them and pick photos or write something. And everything is so like perfectly chosen, but I want to kind of, when I do talk about things that like I've gone through, like my sexual assault and, um, my past with eating disorders. I want to do that because I know that so many people from just, you know, having friends who've gone through things or um, having people reach out to me and tell me that, you know, their post, uh, that my post like affected them um, and kind of validated their own experiences. And these are all things that I just, I wrote out to myself, but I don't, I always feel like if I'm going to write it out here, it's like, if I can help somebody by talking about something that I went through, I'm very open to doing that. Mm -hmm. And it also kind of, it's helpful for me too, just because it, it kind of reminds me that I am not just whatever happened to me or whatever I went through and, you know, reminds me that this, this was an incident in my life. This was a chapter in my life, but it's not the whole thing. It's not all of me. And like, I wouldn't think it was all of anyone else and kind of, you know, it's therapeutic for me to put it out there. Um, And, you know, I only, I could, I only hope that, you know, somebody's affected by it or if they're not, I am. So that's good enough for me. But, um, yeah, I just, I'm willing to share those things because they're things that took me a long time to process and yeah. um, overcome. Um, although, you know, every day is, you know, but if I am, you know, if someone else is going through like a dark time and, you know, how do I fix it? I just know that there's so many people who are going through so many things that you would never know about because 
like I said, there's this veil on social media that you never fully see that person. Yeah. Um, because they're constructing what they want you to see. Yeah. And um, I, and, I mean, I do it too. Like, I, like I said before, it, it's ingrained in us to kind of do. So um, he, every now and then I'll post something like very deep and then I'll post like a random picture of me, like, I don't know, doing a weird dance. Um, but I like to put the veil down because it's just like, it reminds me like, I just want people to remember that that not everything they see is just like, you know, happiness and rainbows. That like, yeah. there's dark things that happen and we can't just pretend like they don't because all that repression and you know, keeping things quiet is just going to eat at you, and it's not going to—it's yeah. not going to help you. It's not going to help anyone else. It's just going to isolate you. No, you're going to yeah, feel so alone so. rather than like knowing yeah. that it's a shared experience. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, even looking back at my time um, when we were at boarding school, like, like when I was like in the throes of my eating disorder, I there were plenty of people who definitely dealt with the same thing. And, but I felt so alone and I, I, you know, I gave off this uh, energy that you wouldn't know mm. because I didn't want you to know. Yeah. And it's so easy to kind of see that and assume that someone's life is like, you know, perfect and happy. And it's like, just realizing that things are complex, you know, the world's messy and that doesn't make us any, doesn't make us, a, the world's messy and embracing the messiness and acknowledging it, in my opinion, is so important to be able to overcome it, to get through it um, and to help other people get through it. Um, yeah, just to know you're not alone. <laughs> Cause you know, I'm an only child, like I'm always alone. <laughs> But um, yeah, just to know that there's other people who've gone through these same things. Like human yeah. experience is, I'm getting cheesy, but human experience is basically just repetitive. Like we're all it unique. Is. But our our like our um, physical like the things that we go through are not unique to to humans. Like if you've been through it, probably there's ten other people who've been through it too. And so, kind of remembering that, yeah, and get, having space for that. I think it's so helpful. Oh, that's honestly like I am, I am so appreciative of the words that you just shared. I I was gonna ask, like, do you have any advice for anyone listening? But you just you just said everything so perfectly and thank you so much. Um I couldn't ask to end on like a better note because you just gave me such a hopeful sense. And I think we all need that a little bit. You know, I think that's why I started this podcast because I just need a little bit of hope um, yeah. and a little bit of something to look forward to and realize that it's okay, today's shit. Tomorrow I'm going to do something new. Tomorrow I'm going to interview Gianna and she's going to be on my podcast. Like that's, that, that's what got me up today. I was like, oh my God, like it's so shit today. But tomorrow I will be able to talk to Gianna. So I know everything will be okay. Well, I felt the same way because I, I, I mean, I had my day job and then, you know, I have auditions here and there, but usually I don't know what I'm going to have 
like yeah. the next day. So I have nothing to really look forward to. So having this podcast, I was like, okay, I have something that's going to happen today that I know is going to happen today. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is exciting. And, you know, also I just feel like, like even this kind of conversation because of COVID, I feel like I haven't had like deep conversations with yeah. anyone in yeah. so long. Um, and oh my God, this was cathartic. And like, <laughs> Me too. You know, for like the happy crazy. stuff and for like the heavy stuff, it's just, oh, it's great to talk to someone. <laughs> it, is, it is actually the best feeling in the world. Like I should really start seeing my therapist soon, but like I kind of put that on hold and I'm like, it's okay. I have therapy to other forms. It's all right. It's okay. Um, hey, talking is honestly, it's part of therapy. Yeah. Talking to someone in general, helpful. <laughs> oh that's why I want a dog so I can talk to it no. yeah dogs actually are really good therapy buddies really really good oh yeah and they're cute so it helps um thank you so much for talking with me and for taking time out of your busy day um I really, really appreciate it like you're talking to me while you're in New York and I'm in London like let's take a moment to appreciate that I love the internet allows us to do this like that was amazing <laughs> um and and yeah show Gianna some love thank you so much dude I really really appreciate it thank you Adela this has honestly been so great and I cannot wait to just like listen to everyone like everyone else's um conversations with you because <laughs> truly this is wonderful and it's also great to like know you per like I know you in real life so it's also yeah. you know just oh I I love to see people doing great things and this just makes me so happy to see you doing something that's so positive and so like just so needed like I mean I feel like there's so many podcasts that are that's not not to I'm not putting any podcasts down because I listen to a bunch but you know I feel like sometimes they're very artificial and like this is this is an honest conversation and you know also because i'm like so unprepared for every episode but like that's that's good though because it's like nothing is you know everything's authentic yeah um you know it's natural thanks for tuning into this week's episode of taytime be sure to subscribe to the podcast on spotify and follow me on instagram at tay.time.